evidence and answers. Is America in Bible prophecy? This is one of the most asked questions whenever we address the issue of end times prophecy. Do we know God's plan for the end of the age? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. At the Evidence and Answers 2020 End Times Conference, Pat answered these questions and explained the possible future and connection of America in Bible prophecy. Now with part one of message four in this series is our host, Pat Zucran. This is our final session here, America in Prophecy. And then we're going into our Q&A time with Dr. Andy Woods and myself. So be sure, ask us your questions and we'll have them answered. It's one of the most favorite times, the Q&A time. So we're talking about America in prophecy. Now, I want to recommend some great resources for you on this particular topic. One that we refer to a lot here from Dr. Mark Hitchcock, The Late Great United States. That's a great book on this topic. Another one that I really like, On Two Wings. That's really the history of the United States and really emphasizes and shows how our nation is built upon solid biblical principles. And then from Os Guinness here, one of my favorite authors, A Free People's Suicide, How Nations Rise and Eventually How Nations Fall. So those are some great resources for you there and resources that I refer to throughout this talk. Also, if you want more on the topic of eschatology and also what we're talking about, the rise and fall of nations, I recommend that you go to our website here, evidenceandanswers.org. Uh, I speak on this subject, Dr. Oz Guinness. You'll find Mark Hitchcock and others, and even uh, Dr. Andy Woods. You're going to see him on our website as well. And all the seminars that we're giving this afternoon, you can find out our website at evidenceandanswers.org. All right? Well, America in prophecy. You know, the United States is one of the most powerful nations in the world, if not the superpower in the world today. God has blessed our nation in tremendous ways, but what lies in the future for America? You know, America is not specifically mentioned in Bible prophecy. Why is it that America is not mentioned in the end times? Could it be that perhaps there's a foreboding future for our nation? What is the future fate of America here? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about. Let me begin by saying there are some Bible teachers who teach that America is mentioned in the Bible. Well, let's take a look at some of the most popular possible references to the United States that you'll hear quoted by several Bible teachers. One theory is that America is one of the 10 lost tribes of Israel. Uh, It's often called British Israelism. When Assyria conquered Israel in 732 BC, they conquered northern Israel, and you know the record there in 2 Kings. They conquered northern Israel and deported the 10 tribes and sent them into exile. They came down to southern Israel, to Judah, uh, surrounded Jerusalem. And there in that famous story, that angel of the Lord went out and killed thousands of Assyrian soldiers. The next day, they were found dead, strewn all over the battlefield. And Sennacherib and his army returned back to the city of Nineveh, where he was assassinated, never conquering Jerusalem or southern Israel. But many believe that the 10 lost tribes were in exile and are the, quote, 10 lost tribes of Israel. And many feel that some fled 
then into Europe. Some of the tribes went all the way to England. And of course, you know, the English eventually came and settled here in the United States. So the United States is one of the 10 lost tribes of Israel. I don't particularly take this position. I think there's really not strong biblical evidence for this. In fact, if you look in the Bible, really the 10 lost tribes of Israel are not lost. You know, many went into exile during the Assyrian conquest. Uh, Many also went into exile nearly 150 years later at the Babylonian exile there in 586 BC. But after the fall of the Babylonian empire, many, if not all of the tribes returned, not all the Jews returned, but many people of the tribes of Israel returned to the nation of Israel. In fact, in Ezra, chapter 6, verse 17, it says that after they rebuilt the temple and they rededicated the temple, it says in verse 17 of chapter 6, they offered at the dedication of this house of God 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 lambs, and as a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, right? So the 10 lost tribes aren't necessarily lost. In fact, In Luke chapter 2, Anna, the prophetess, who is there at the temple, who prophesied over the baby Jesus, the Luke says that she was from the tribe of Asher, all right? So she could trace her lineage to the tribe of Asher, and Asher is one of the northern tribes up there. And we see in Revelation chapter 7, there are the 12,000 prophets, uh, the 144,000 witnesses, 12,000 from each of the tribes of Israel, all right? So all 12 tribes will be producing 12,000 prophets, the 144,000 who will be powerful prophetic witnesses there during the time of the seven-year tribulation. So I don't think the argument that America is one of the 10 lost tribes of Israel is, is, is a very strong argument. The next possible reference to Israel there is found in Isaiah Chapter 18, verses 1 and 2. And it speaks of a land, and it says, Ah, land of whirring wings, that is beyond the rivers of Cush, which sends ambassadors by the sea, in vessels of papyrus on the waters. Go, you swift messengers, to a nation tall and smooth, to a people feared, near and far, a nation mighty and conquering, whose land the rivers divide. And some scholars say, Well, this refers to the United States, the land of whirring wings there, describe the flapping of eagle's wings. It says, beyond Cush, they travel in vessels over the waters. And so the United States there travels over the Pacific through and the Atlantic throughout the world to a nation tall and smooth. And, you know, Americans are tall and smooth-skinned kind of people. And it says, whose land the rivers divide. Many say, well, that's, you know, the Mississippi River here. And many will say, well, that refers to the United States. I think if you look at the context there, however, in Isaiah chapter 18, that's not referring to the United States. Chapters 18 through 23 in the book of Isaiah It's speaking judgments on the nations that surround the nation of Israel. And chapters 18 through 20, it's one connected prophecy, all right? And it's dealing with judgment upon Cush and Egypt, which were one nation at that time. So Egypt is up in the north and Cush is down here 
in the south and talks about judgment upon them. And the whirring wings that are mentioned there are not eagle's wings, but in the context, the wings of insects, most likely locusts that plague the land at that time and rivers that divide the land refers to the Nile River and her tributaries, not the Mississippi River. So if you read it in its context, uh, that Isaiah 18 passage there doesn't refer to the United States. Now, another one that you hear a lot about is the scarlet woman, all right, the great prostitute, the whore of Babylon. And many feel that Babylon in Revelation 17 and 18 refers to the United States. And as John sees this frightful vision of a great prostitute, the woman dressed in purple, sitting on the beast with seven heads, the passage states, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns, and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of the abominations and impurities of her sexual immorality, and on her head was written the name of Mystery, Babylon the Great, Mother of Prostitutes and the Earth's Abominations. And I've run into many people in my Bible classes here that insists Babylon is the United States. And many will also say the Statue of Liberty represents the Scarlet Woman. Well, I don't think there's a very strong argument for that. You know, Babylon in this context, I believe, is the literal city of Babylon. There are 44 verses there in the book of Revelation referring to Babylon, and the context best fits the city of Babylon. Throughout the Bible, Babylon is mentioned over 300 times. It's the city of man. It's the city of rebellion, all right? And in the end times, it will come back again and be the capital of false religion there. And so Babel, there in the early chapters of Genesis, chapter 11 there, the Tower of Babel, that's where, you know, it's the city of rebellion. There where men come together as a great civilization to rebel against God, and that's where the rebellion is going to end. That's going to be the financial and religious center of the final end times empire. So Babylon is mentioned over 300 times in the Bible, and every time it means literally the city of Babylon. Right? There's one exception there, 1 Peter chapter 5, where Peter is using it for Rome. Other than that, the vast majority of the time, Babylon refers to the city of the Babylon here, the literal city of Babylon, and that best fits the context here of Revelation 17 and 18. Now, the best reference may come from Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 13, that Andy mentioned just briefly. Ezekiel 38, verse 13 says, Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish and all its leaders will say to you, have you come to see spoil? Have you assembled your host to carry off plunder, to carry away silver and gold, and to take away livestock and goods to seize great spoil. Now, after the rapture, there's the great battle of Gog and Magog, as Andy talked about in the previous session, where you'll have this Middle Eastern alliance led by Russia, and they come 
to wage, surround Israel and wage war against the nation of Israel. And if it were to happen anytime soon, then it would be, you know, and some kind of Islamic alliance coming upon the nation of Israel. And we know that the Islamic nations that surround Israel have, you know, sought the destruction of the nation of Israel. And in the wars that they have fought, they have been financed and equipped by the Russians. So it's a very likely scenario here. But when these nations come to invade the nation of Israel, a few nations who are in peace agreements and probably getting very wealthy with the nation of Israel mount some kind of protest, verbal protest against this invasion. It's Sheba, Dedan, and the merchants of Tarshish here according to verse 13 of Ezekiel chapter 38. Sheba and Dedan as Andy Woods described, represents Saudi Arabia or, you know, southern Saudi Arabia. The Queen of Sheba comes there from the south. Tarshish, where is that land? Well, that represents Spain there. You know, when Jonah was called by God in Joppa here to go prophesy to the people in Nineveh, he went as far away as he could possibly go. He took a ship and he was headed to Tarshish. Right? That represents, that's the country out there, modern-day country of Spain out there. That's where Jonah was headed. But country, the city of Tarshish and the merchants are trading with Israel during the time of this prophecy and gaining great wealth. And they have some kind of protest against that invasion. Well, it says Tarshish and all its leaders. And that phrase, Tarshish, and all its leaders refers to the nations that come out from the city of Tarshish. Now, some scholars believe Tarshish refers to Spain, but also to the nation of England. And so when it says Tarshish and all its leaders, it's referring to nations that come from Tarshish, Spain, and England. And of course, it's those two countries that colonize North and South America. And so some believe there is an indirect reference to the United States. And that could be, I think that might be your best possible indirect reference to the United States of America. But overall, the United States is not mentioned in biblical prophecy. What are some reasons why she is not mentioned in Bible prophecy. Well, some say, you know, prophecy deals with Israel mostly and the immediate nations around Israel. That could be, you know, but America is the superpower of our time. And if biblical prophecy does come to pass, end times prophecy comes to pass soon, it's strange that the superpower of the day is not mentioned. And in Revelation 13, verse 4, it speaks of the Antichrist and his final empire. And it says, who is like the beast and who can make war with him? Nobody can. Nobody can stand up to the beast, all right? And so there's no superpower capable of challenging the beast there. And if America is the superpower of our day, she is not present at this time. Okay? And the Antichrist Empire is the superpower of that time. No nation can stand up against this empire. So it doesn't appear that America is in biblical prophecy when it comes to the end times. Well, then what is the fate of America then if we are not in Bible prophecy here? Well, 
there's several possible scenarios of why America is not in biblical prophecy. The first we see is that perhaps America falls from her status of superpower because she ends up being divided in some kind of civil war that greatly weakens the country. And as you can see now, this is a likely scenario with the division that's going on. You see two ideologies really going in completely opposite directions. And the hostility between these two powerful parties seems to be increasing and the divide getting greater and greater and greater. And one of the things our founding fathers warned us about, Oz Guinness writes about it in his book, A Free People's Suicide, no nation is ever conquered. They collapse from within. And one of the things that causes them to collapse is moral decay, which I'll talk about later, but also they divide up into tribes and we end up getting tribal warfare. All right, And as a nation turns away from God, then they turn away from the universal moral law of God. And our founding fathers warned us of this in their writings and in their final speeches. One of the most famous is George Washington. He said, a democracy cannot stand unless you have a morally good and virtuous people who abide by a universal moral law. And you cannot have an absolute, authoritative, universal moral law without a moral lawgiver. And he said a democracy cannot stand without morality. And you cannot have a universal moral law without religion there. Right? So he said those two pillars, morality and religion, are necessary for a democracy to last. Right? And when he said religion there, you know, he's referring to Christianity. Right? So when we no longer acknowledge a universal moral law of God, how do we determine right and wrong? Well, it comes down to might makes right kind of ethical system. And therefore, the one with the greatest influence, the one with the loudest voice, the one that can exert its power or its will over the others and dominate is the one that's going to rule. And when we don't have a universal moral law by which we all agree to, it just comes down to tribal warfare. And that can split and divide a country. And you see the tension going on in the United States. I've heard people even saying, you know, no matter who wins this election, we might end up in some kind of civil unrest. So this is a likely scenario that some kind of civil war divides America and we end up dropping our superpower status. Another one is some kind of nuclear 9-11. You know, we saw the devastating effect terrorist attack like 9-11 can have. But just imagine, with the kind of weapons that are out there now, if some kind of nuclear strike would hit the United States, it would be a devastating blow to our country here. We know rogue nations like Iran and other terrorist groups like ISIS and Al-Qaeda and the Wahhabi and others have the capability, perhaps, we're doing the best we can to prevent this, but may have the capability of delivering some kind of nuclear device, a dirty bomb, we call it, in the United States. And if some kind of dirty bomb would be able to get in here and be detonated, it have a devastating effect on our country. Also, there's the threat of chemical weapons or WMDs, right? If one of them would go off in the United States on a Uh, in a major city or major cities on a big scale, 
that would have a very devastating effect on our country or some kind of EMP, electrical magnetic impulse kind of bomb that would completely knock out our electrical system. We know how dependent we are now on our electrical devices, but imagine a U.S. with no electrical grid that is functioning. I mean, we'd be back, you know, in colonial times and we would fall from our status as superpower here. You can see on this chart, here's a possible scenario of an EMP going off 30 miles above the center of the United States. It would have that impact in the red circle. If it was dropped from 120 miles up, it would have this kind of impact, almost the entire nation. 300 miles above the surface, it would affect the entire nation of the United States. So an EMP could also be devastating. Or as many of us in Hawaii are familiar with, perhaps some kind of nuclear strike. You know, the panic that occurred a couple years ago when we all got the warm, we all got waking up. You know, I think it was eight in the morning when sirens went off saying North Korea has launched a nuclear missile here on the state of Hawaii. Many of us remember that. And uh, if it hit Hawaii, Hawaii be gone. You know, it only takes one nuclear missile to pretty much wipe us out here. But perhaps some kind of, we get in some kind of nuclear exchange. That would have a devastating effect on the United States and she would drop from her superpower status. Perhaps another one is a financial crisis of some sort. You can see with uh, the COVID-19 crisis here and the PPP program, the government is just mass printing money right now that really have no backing. And you, you just can't keep doing that. Eventually, it devalues the currency and it really has no value. You just can't keep printing money. And the U.S. is in debt to other nations in the trillions of dollars. That's not only an economic danger, but a strategic danger as well, that we'd be in debt to many nations around the world. Proverbs 22.7 says, The borrower is slave to the lender. And could it be? that the debt causes some kind of economic collapse in the United States and the United States then drops from her superpower status. Then a fourth scenario could be that perhaps there is some kind of great natural disaster. We see a lot of movies, this recent one here starring The Rock, the San Andreas, some kind of massive earthquake maybe even something like a, a meteor or asteroid hitting the United States or some kind of great natural disaster. That would be devastating to the United States. If indeed something like San Andreas, that scenario like that came true, you're talking about losing a, the West Coast of the United States. That would just be absolutely devastating for the United States. Perhaps it's some kind of natural disaster that strikes the United States. Then we have a fifth scenario. It's the rapture. Now, none of these are good news, are they? But, you know, the rapture kind of is, right? And, and the rapture would be that if Christ were to return for his church, right, he could return at any minute, then all believers in Christ would be taken out of the world suddenly. And if estimates are true, anywhere from 10 to 
30% of the United States are born again believers in Christ. All right, so let's go with the low end 10%. I mean, you're talking millions, right? Millions of, you know, 70 million Americans suddenly gone, 10% of the population. And you're talking many of our key leaders in government, in the military, uh, in the security forces of our nation, business leaders, political leaders, leaders in academia, leaders in the church. I mean, it's suddenly all gone with a massive exodus of people like that, 10% of the population, the U.S., you could see is a very likely scenario there would drop from her superpower status. We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online. You'll also find we have a wide variety of resources available to you. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share it with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Hey, 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 hey.